Curious Minds. And here is your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, binaural production engineer Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us, and monthly co-host Pat Baldwin, author of The Forgiveness Workshop. If you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today, Preston Dennett. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, Hi, Gary. On, man. <laughs> hey, it's always a pleasure. Yeah. So, man, let's, let's hear about this new book. Ah, yeah, here it is. I still haven't got this is the pre-publication copy. <laughs> Symm- Symmetry on my 29th book. And, uh, <laughs> can't believe it. Uh, but I love, I'm so excited about this one because... Most of my books are kind of collections of stories. Um, well, I will dive into a topic here and there, like, you know, schoolyard UFOs is mm-hmm. one theme, you know, like drive-in UFO encounters, also very thematic, but still a collection of stories. And this one, Symmetry, is the story of one person's encounters throughout her life, Dolly, who was, I believe, on the show not too long ago. Yeah, I had both of you on last month. Yeah. So this book just came out. It's like a week old. And boom, already an Amazon bestseller. <laughs> Preston, um, you're killing it. <laughs> I'm like, wow. But yeah, it's amazing. I mean, Dolly's had, I mean, we talked a little bit about this. She's had experiences her whole life, really starting 10 months. <laughs> uh, but she started really remembering it age two onward. Age 14, had a missing time encounter, and she was out of her mind having so much missing time uh, as, you know, a young preteen and teenager. She's like, that's it. (laughs) I'm not letting this one slip by me. And she just sat herself down in the bathroom for two hours and meditated and brought back the memory of being taken on board at age 14. And it was not scary for her. it actually turned out to be a really good experience right. uh, yeah she, she she was physically examined it was very brief they decontaminated her uh, they talked to her they gave her a tour of the ship actually flew her to the moon <laughs> fly me to the moon uh which sounds crazy uh but i have many 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 cases like it, that it's common yeah yeah. yeah, I've heard of people who've been allowed to drive the ships. I think you told me about that. Yeah, yeah, and she she was as well. And they asked her, "What do you want to do? Would you like to work with us?" And she's like, "Yeah, sure." I said, "What do you want to do?" And gave her all these options. And she's like, "Fly? <laughs> Are you kidding? I want to fly." <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's 
an amazing story. That's how it really began for her. But of everyone I've ever interviewed, and there's a lot, uh, many people have described these kinds of things, but it's very much piecemeal, very much, you know, covered in missing time or through the lens of fear. And not with her. Dolly's like, remembers. She does occasionally have a few missing time events. But following that experience at age 14, she had experiences pretty much weekly. So over 100 per year. And every year. All the way up through st still to this day. Um, and she told me about an experience, I think it was November 2021, that was pretty major. Um, probably could write 10 books on her case. <laughs> it's that extensive. It's the most extensive case I've ever... What do you think it um, is about Dolly why she has remembered so much more than other experiencers? Yeah, I kind of dug into that. And uh, I, I asked her about that. And I've gotten to know her really well. And she is pretty darn feisty. She, she is. is. <laughs> I know what they're interviewing her. <laughs> <laughs> she's a Taurus. I mean, she's stubborn. She's willful. She was a handful for her parents. She's very adventurous. I mean, she's broken many bones. <laughs> I've never broken a bone. <laughs> I'm careful. I don't, but she's, you know, she sees something she wants to do. She will do it. Nothing's going to stop her. Uh, so, and her resume is absolutely incredible. She, you know, worked as a limo driver, an assistant manager for Wendy's, a nurse. Uh, I mean, it's a, a zookeeper, a bus driver. <laughs> um, what else? Worked for the U.S. Department of Treasury. She worked in the Army for the Department of Defense. She lived in the Florida Everglades and would just go out there and tromp around. She got bit by a rattlesnake when she was a little kid. She got stung by hornets. She was very nearly attacked by a shark. It came right up to her and brushed against her, gave her a huge abrasion. She was struck by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> she was, lives in Florida, so that's part of the explanation. Florida's the lightning capital yeah. of uh, you know, <laughs> the U.S., if not the world. Uh, but yeah, she's really a very outgoing adventurous and uh just let's do it kind of person and uh, you don't tell her what to do <laughs> you tell her not to do something well that's the person she's going to do so you think so it's, I, you think it's that feisting, feistiness and stubbornness that that um is why she's retained the memories so well I think I think that's part of it. Yeah, I just did a YouTube video about a case, one of the first I investigated involving a family here in Reseda, where I live in Southern California, and uh, involved the lady I worked with. And, you know, I was asking everyone, "Have you seen a UFO?" <laughs> She's like, "Oh yeah, me, and my whole family have." And so I interviewed her, and I knew her daughter, who I'll call Kelly, because she would come and pick her up from work. And uh, Kelly had seen UFOs, and these UFOs kept getting closer and closer to, to this family. And finally, Braze showed up and took Kelly away. <laughs> and they said, you know, uh, don't be afraid. 
no harm will come to you. You need to come with us. And she's like, no, I'm not coming with you. I have a job. I have bills to pay. I have a family. And they took her anyway. And they said, we, we're going to cut your arm. And she's like screaming, no, 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 no. And they said, well, we need to do an operation on your brain. And this sent her over the edge. And she's just absolutely freaking out, naturally. I mean, oof. And uh, they said, don't worry. You won't remember this. And she says, oh, yeah, I will. And they said, no, you can't remember this. And she said, I will remember this. They said, no, you won't. And she said, yes, I will. And it was back and forth for, she said, a good 15 minutes. And, you know, they came th three times after that. And it was always the same thing. You can't tell your parents. She says, I'm going to tell both my parents. You better not tell your dad. I'm going to tell my dad. You, we're going to take your memory away. No, you're not. And she didn't. You know, they didn't. Rather, she remembered all of it. Well, most of it, at least. So do you think that's part but, of um, the human will, our will to remember, had retain those memories? Or do you think is that is them respecting the wish of the individual? Yeah, I've been kind of going back and forth on this. Because initially, it was pretty clear to me that ETs are responsible for missing time. Because they keep telling people, you won't remember, you won't remember, you won't remember. But the deeper I go and the farther along I'm getting at this, there's a flip side. Because I keep running into cases where, well, not a lot of them, but it does turn up. Where the ETs are saying, it's, you know, it's not us doing it. It's you. Most of you guys don't remember. You choose not to remember. And this is exactly what Dali says. She says, no, they do not take people's memory away without permission. If you want to remember, you will remember. If they, you know, if you have a strong fear response, and if you choose in any way not to deal with this, they will suppress your memory until you're emotionally able to handle it. And we do see a lot of that because people will have a trigger or a cue or will suddenly spontaneously remember. And they will say stuff like this, like, you will remember when the time is right. Or it, it will come back to you when you are ready. This sort of thing. So I think, yeah, in some case, I think probably I'm, I'm beginning to lean more towards, yeah, it's our own, I don't want to say fault, but our own responsibility and that they do respect our free will. Uh, you know, because a lot of people are saying, ah, oh, you know, I did not agree to this. I did not agree to have these encounters. And we'll later come around and realize they did. Uh, on some level, agree to this. And many, many people think, oh, this is terrible, this is scary, I don't like this. And then at some point realizes, hmm, no, they're not hurting me. <laughs> they actually healed me. Yeah, it can start out very traumatic. And for some people, that's as far as it goes. They just don't move beyond the trauma. But those who do really come around 180 degrees very often. I'm not going to say they're all our space brothers. It's a big universe. And uh, the trauma is kind of a problem here. I'm not going to, you know, backpedal on that. Or, but I do think that more and more that this is absolutely not something we need to worry about. That they do respect our autonomy. They're absolutely not trying to scare people or hurt them. Absolutely. Really zero evidence of that. Mm -hmm. That's why I like Dolly's story, because she's full-on conscious. And most people aren't. They're scared to death. And when you are scared, 
you don't perceive correctly. You're filled with fear, and when you're filled with fear, it's not good. You, you automatically assume this is bad for me because of the feelings you're having. No one likes to be you know, frightened out of their mind. Well, I shouldn't say that. Some people do like scary movies. <laughs> That's true. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like a good horror movie. Dolly doesn't, by the way. She hates them. <laughs> but yeah, so I, yeah, I'm still slightly on defense about whose responsibility it is for missing time. Because I feel like the ETs do enforce that pretty strongly in some people. Because uh, I see it over and over again. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. There's still lots of questions surrounding this. Interesting. So, when he, with Dolly's experiences with these extraterrestrials, what was the, has or has because I know this is still an ongoing thing. I believe with her, their primary message to her. Uh, yeah, many. There's many messages. Um, there's ones that are very personal. You know, like you need to overcome your fear of this. <laughs> you need to, you know, learn how to do this. They were very, very intent on teaching her moral code uh, and ethics. I asked her, you know, what were your experiences? And uh, she says, well, early on, from age eight, is when she really started to wake up to something was going on. This very vivid nightlife of being taken to another planet. And uh, she's thinking, are these dreams? <laughs> these don't seem like dreams. No one else is talking about this. And she'd try to tell people, but they'd look at her like she was out of her mind. And her mom was very upset about all of this. And her dad was largely absent because he was in the military. And her brother was terrified. So she really had nobody to talk to. She got picked on in school for being different. So she was largely alone with all this. But she would remember being taken to this learning center, she called it. And there were other kids there, a dozen or so, all girls. A couple of them were greys, a couple were blue beings. And being a young kid, she was just very accepting of it all and not really trying to interpret it because this was her sort of secret nightlife uh, where they would come and take her. She was fully awake. But she said the teaching was very much based on this, you know, ethics and moral code and doing the right thing and empathy and psychic development. And as she grew older, particularly once she became fully conscious, it shifted pretty hard to science, very much science-based. So they taught her a lot about uh, astronomy and chemistry, and mathematics, which actually... Um, caused her quite some problems in school <laughs> because she'd go to class and she'd be like, huh, well, I no already know this. And her father, you know, was also very intelligent and taught her, would, uh, was very intent on teaching her stuff. And so she was basically several years ahead of all the other children and would just drive the teachers to distraction. So she ended up getting a special pass <laughs> and would just go to the library for most of her classes. And she pretty much read every book in the library. So, she, yeah, she had a very intense education 
on various subjects, including the history of our planet and you know the universe and all of this stuff. And after waking up at age 14 and learning how to fly, they started taking her to other planets and stuff. So I mean, this is a wild story. Uh, I'm fully convinced it's real because not only have I interviewed her more than I've ever interviewed anybody, but she, we had a convention together in Laughlin mm -hmm. and darned if the UFO didn't show up over our heads. I'm like, oh my God. And uh, so I wasn't there. Seen the, it. Hmm, myself. And uh, I've seen her do her psychic stuff, which is really incredible. Uh, I, I mean, you hang out with her, you will see evidence that of, of all of this stuff. The day before I showed up at the Laughlin conference, she show up, showed up a day early. She filmed a UFO with her friend, Yvonne. And it uh, got on the news. It got on the frickin' news. So... Yeah, there's a lot of evidence for her case. She's got numerous people who have corroborated her story. Her ex-husband, her best friend, a cousin. Uh, so, And she's got photographs. You know, when she decided to go public, she would often try to photograph the UFOs. And this is really interesting to me because I've interviewed a lot of contactees who have an enormous number of experiences. And it's very difficult to get photographs. <laughs> People always say, oh, well, they're, they're seeing so many UFOs. How come they don't have a picture? I'm like, well, you try to take a picture of a UFO. See how successful you are. They are very camera shy for whatever reason. And I talk to contactors who have gotten photos, and they will show them, and people will still attack it. Like, ah, that's blurry. That could be anything. And Dolly decides to go public, and she asks the ETs about it. And when I say she's a full-on conscious contactee, she has a double life. She lives among them. She goes up there and talks to them. They're people. She hangs out. She eats. She does activities. Uh, it's a full-on waking experience that goes on for hours and days and even weeks at a time because they can pull you out of the time stream. So she's like, I'm thinking of going public. And they're like, are you sure you want to do this? There will be ramifications. There's going to be people who will attack your story and try to debunk you. She's like, I think it's important that I do it because I know there are other people like me, but nobody's talking. You know, there are not a whole lot of fully conscious contactees. Jim Sparks is one of them. He's kind of faded behind the scenes. Betty Andreessen, uh, I wouldn't call her fully conscious, but her story was probably just as extensive. And huge shout out to Betty. She just passed away three days ago. My condolences to her and her family. Yeah. Huge effect on this field. I often refer to her in my research. Uh, and uh, yeah, Dolly's case reminds me of Betty's. But going back to Dolly, she says, yeah, I want to go public. And they're like, okay, you know, I think we'll have a huge effect. You're going to convince a lot of people. You're going to change a lot of people's minds. Uh, but just be prepared because it's going to be a big deal for you. And she says, I'm fine. I think it's important. People need to know. And this is when they finally agreed to pose for her. <laughs> and uh, yes, we've got moving films and photographs and all kinds of really cool stuff. Um, Any of the photos yeah. in your book? 
Yeah. Yeah. I've got some, I mean, I can show you some here on the show if you want. Yeah. Pull, pull them up if, we, if you want to let me uh, share, share screen. Um, I will have to pull pull them up, but it's pretty easy to do. I can bet there, right, right here. Okay, let me see. Yeah, she got some really cool photos and moving films, for that matter. Um, hold on one second. Let me just. Okay, I think I am ready. Let's see. Yes. Okay, share screen. There. Can you see my screen now? Yeah. See it. Let me see. Here is one of my favorite series. This is actually taken from a video. I should show you the video, but let me just show you this. Here we go. Let's see. Let's take ah, there we are. Oh, yeah. This is Talada, as she called them. Um, this is taken looks, from looks a like video. A classic. It looks like a pyramid. You know, like when they say, like, like, like in the ancient aliens that you ever see that um, episode where we compare like um, Buddhist stupas to. Yep. Alien, that's what this looks like to me, like a stupa type of aircraft. Yeah, Dolly talks about this. Um, it's it's our perspective. She says it's actually kind of more, uh, how does it, like a spade kind of, sort mm -hmm. of like not a, not a full disc with a slight concavity. And if you look at it, you can see right here, there is a concavity. Yeah. And it's actually largely disc shaped. But, uh, Let's see. Can I move this along? I'll show you the video of this. Actually, it's much more dramatic. You can see on the bottom that this is taken from the video. But there's another video of it. And he came down to about 200 feet. Here's a close up. Is this what you saw too? Or do you see no, a different thing? No. He did not come down that low. He came up pretty high. Um, what I saw was more akin to this. Okay. Here's. Here's him. This is another taken from another video where he's flashing his headlights at her. And uh, so, yeah, he, he came here. Here was the one that happened in Laughlin where I didn't get to see this one, but she filmed this. And here's Talata dropping probes, uh, which he does because wherever Dolly goes, you know, she's very closely watched by the ETs. And for that matter, government stooges. I couldn't <laughs> yeah. believe it. We were, I'm not kidding. She, you know, she sent me, you know, she says they're out there again. And she shows me the video. And uh, when we went to, you know, we rented a little B&B &B together. And uh, we're there and I, I saw this car. And we were being followed back from the conference to the B&B. &B. I'm kind of feels like this person's following us. I think they are. It's probably one of them. And we pulled into our driveway and we're getting ready and we're going in. And this person pulls up and blocks our driveway and kind of glares at us. Mm -hmm. 
I'm like, holy cow. They're, I mean, who, who parks in front of your driveway cl- locking you in? Um, she's like, that's them. Yeah, <laughs> shoot. This is what I deal with daily. So let me see. Here is where she would do the learning center. It was up in a giant, giant tree. She said it was a very large planet with a much lighter gravity than Earth. Does she give any planet names or star systems that you and I would be familiar with? Uh, she won't give the planet name. Um, she's not allowed, she said. Uh, but she did say that she's allowed to say that it is in the Orion system. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, let's see here. What's another here? This is a cool drawing she did. Because uh, I, I, she's actually a fairly comp- accomplished artist. This is just a quick sketch. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen some of her work. I'm like, you got to do a painting, Dolly. She's much it's better. Interesting, because it looks like a gray, but instead of like the normal gray that I'm used to seeing, this one has more eyes with pupils. Yeah, she says they all do. Huh. What we're seeing is the large dark eyes are actually um, contact lenses. Really. Uh, which is does turn up in other cases and certainly turned up in the alien autopsy footage. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Years yeah, ago. I remember that, yeah. Which was somewhat debunked. Though I have to tell you I'm not I have, I'm not I'm not convinced about the debunking of that actual I think the debunking might be uh misinformation on that one. Yeah. It's it's the perfect that's what they do. They t- put truth out and call it a lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a way of really muddying the waters very effectively. And uh, my family is in the movie business. My dad was, you know, worked on the Fugitive and the Munsters movie <laughs> and the Barbara Mandrell story. You know, he was in the TV and film business. Mm-hmm. And so I was in touch with some of these guys, and I asked him about this alien autopsy footage. Uh-huh. And uh, some of them were absolutely convinced it was real. And it said, if it's not, I sure spent a lot of money on it. What was your dad's opinion on it? Um, he would not say. Really? <laughs> he, he, he hate, to the day he died, he hated the fact that I was involved in UFOs. <laughs> Could not stand it. Wouldn't read a word I wrote about UFOs. I'm like, I, Dad, here's... <laughs> I wonder why, though. Like, like I wonder, like... like when you say that, like, the first thing that just pops into my head is like, this guy probably had experiences with UFOs that he doesn't want to admit to himself. I wonder about it. You know, because, I mean, you've had them. We know that these things are um, sometimes generational, you know? Yeah. I never got to ask my mom. She died uh, before I could. And my dad was psychic. He would say stuff and then it would happen. And he, I remember he said, I like this Obama guy. I think he's going to be president. I'm like, what? You're kidding. He's, I don't even know him. He's, you know, who are you talking about? Obama? He's yeah. like, yeah. You wait. <laughs> sure enough. And I told him, I'm like, hey, dad, you know, that was like, you know, he would say stuff like this. I remember once we were on the road and <laughs> we're driving along and we got, behind a truck he says never drive behind trucks because they will spit up gravel and break your windshield and so he got up from behind the truck 
and behind a sports car, which sped up and kicked up a piece of gravel and split the windshield. <laughs> hmm. I was like, whoa, dad! <laughs> that was amazing to me. Uh, so he fits the profile in some ways. Interesting. But, but yeah, I would not touch it. Not touch the subject. <laughs> but yeah, this is a gray. This is an AI gray. Um, not the tall grays or the medium tall, tall grays. This mm -hmm. is a biological android. They're not they don't have souls. They don't have emotions. Um, this is what some people encounter, and they're like, you know, they have no emotions. That's correct. They don't. And these guys are sometimes used to pull people up into the craft. They are the ones who are used for jobs that might endanger, you know, the other grays. Mm -hmm. They're three feet, four feet tall and are not born and do not die and are basically avatars. You can control them remotely. And that's what they do. A gray will sort of indwell them and do what needs to be done. And uh, they can be turned off. Whitley Strieber talked about this. He says, I saw them, they were stacked like cordwood. And I asked Dolly about this, because um, she, you know, she's never read any UFO books. Uh, her contacts told her, no, you're not allowed. Don't read them. We don't want you to be influenced by them. And a lot of them are filled with disinformation. It's just going to upset you. Don't read them. And so she doesn't know about all this stuff. And I asked her, I'm like, well, what do they store them, <laughs> you know, on board the ship? She's like, yeah, they have a large room. And it depends on the size of the craft. But the larger motherships have a chamber that's a hundred some feet across and they can fit a lot of them in there and they're all lined up and they lock their arms together and shut them off and when they need them they pull them out and turn them on and uh like if the ship has to land abruptly they will pop them out and they'll check to make sure everything's okay um, they do have the ability to fly the craft um, they do sample collecting and all of this stuff so that is your AI gray. And now let me show you Dolly's main contact, which she calls Mama. Oh, wow. And uh, this is, again, Dolly's sketch. I'm like, wow, this is not what I expected. Uh, she said she's over just, just over six feet tall. Mm -hmm. I'm bald, you know, but really quite beautiful, very graceful. And like 800 years old. And this has been Dolly's main contact since age four. It, it, it's shocking because when I interviewed Terry Lovelace, he talked about being on a UFO as a child and that there was somebody there named Mama who was bald but would often wear a wig to try to make themselves look more, um, I don't know, less shocking to, to people, to children. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if we can be talking about the same extraterrestrial here. Um, I have heard this from other contactees. They they will say you can call me Mama. One lady, um, she had an abduction. Why I don't even Dolly won't let me use that word <laughs> about her case abduction. She's like, no, that's not what's happening to me. But this one lady 
was, let me see, I think she's 11 years old, uh, in New Mexico, and had a UFO land in front of her, and she walked on board, she said it was very friendly, and there was a praying mantis, about six feet tall, who said, you can calm, no, said, I am your mother. <laughs> uh, I don't know, uh, but that does turn up, and yeah, the wig thing too, <laughs> that does turn up, not a whole lot, but I've certainly heard it, and not only wigs, mm -hmm. you know, you name it, clown costumes. Yeah, I've heard. Like, um, and that's another one that Terry said that he came into his room as clowns, or, or they'll come in as like, um, like when, it, when it comes to children, it's like they try to make themselves the least threatening as possible. So it's like almost like they take on a role, like they go into the child's mind and see, you know, what type of things that they're most comfortable with, and then they take on that role. Exactly. A, a person's belief system can have a profound effect on how they present themselves to you, and how you interpret the experience. And I think this is such a profound influence on a person's encounter that this is what's led some researchers to say, I'm, I'm not sure if this is even ETs. I'm like, no, it's ETs. <laughs> they are just very telepathic and very much gearing their your experience towards you. Uh, so it can be filled with symbolic elements. I talked to one lady, she was taken on board. She said that the room was dressed up like a living room, like a doctor's office with a couch, an easy chair, uh, a window, a flat screen TV. But then in walks this, you know, eight foot tall praying mantis. Uh, and, you know, the walls were different. The door was slightly different. It, it wasn't a living room. Uh, but I know of another case where a person was taken on board a craft and there was carpet. Mm -hmm. And the researcher in that case, I think it was Peter Huff, pointed to this being like, maybe this is not what we think it is. I'm like, no, I think it's probably E.T. I'm not going to say if they're all E.T., but I am. You know, I've always said this. It's my assessment that that's what we're dealing with here. And Dolly's like out of her mind when people say, you know, this is some weird intelligence putting on different masks. Like, no, it's E.T. But we are even, not the even, only... Even if it's a weird intelligence putting on masks, okay, where does that intelligence come from? Intelligence come from? It's coming from somewhere outside of our sphere of consciousness, which still kind of makes it an extraterrestrial. Right, right? You're just, exactly. You're just arguing over labels when people start doing that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um. And I don't know, that other theory is very interesting. It, it does explain some of the super strange encounters because it does get very bizarre and very symbolic and just crazy in some of these cases. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know because that just under that theory, just, the UFO sort of disappears if you're not looking at it. It's geared towards us. And we know that people are... You know, there, there'll be a flyover and some people will see it. And, you know, there are people inside who are not seeing it. And, I mean, people will go outside and they'll see crushed grass or burned circles. You know, this is a physical phenomena. And if it's something that's this weird intelligence that's physically manifesting, what is the mechanism? You know, and how do you differentiate a UFO from a tree? You know, I'm... Well, 
or but, but anything that, but, that but manifests. But even then, like, like in my opinion, physicality is even kind of sketchy because it doesn't actually, we are not exactly actually physical objects either. You know, it's, it's so bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. It's definitely bizarre. Interesting. But uh, here, let me see if I can get you to some of the, uh, let me just stop the share for a second so I can get to the, uh, some of the films. Uh, but, yeah, the, this phenomena, I think, is largely explained by the extraterrestrial hypothesis, but I don't Absolutely. think it's the only one. I don't. But I think, I think there's extraterrestrials that are probably maybe closer to our planet that are coming in regular physical ships. There might be extraterrestrials that are further out that are using consciousness to travel here. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, then there's probably extraterrestrials that are possibly living in the same space as me right now, just vibrating on a different frequency that I can't perceive. Yeah. My guess is there's it's got is a combination of all these things. It can't just be one. Because they're all I, they're all entirely possible. I think they are interdimensional, but so are we. Yeah. Yeah. And, we, um, we've been able to <laughs> pop in and out of dimensions and there's been, you know, human time travel things and all kinds okay. of weird stuff. Exactly. All right. Let me see. Let me just pick the good video here. Uh, there it is. Okay. Let me share the screen again, and I'll show you this awesome video. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> okay. Here it is. I think this is the one. Yes. Or is it this one? No, it's this one. Okay. You're going to love this one. Here we go. Wow. Oh, maybe you have something there for like a reference. Was that a building? Um, that's the window, window to the house. Okay. And uh, so I don't know if you're flying up above the house. Yeah. Okay. And he's about 200 feet up and agreed to come down specifically because Dolly is coming forward with her story. Hmm. And he's hovering there in full view. It's incredible. So this is a crap. She, she goes on board and she flies this thing. This and, craft. And, and it's amazing. Like, like this footage is not like your normal really quick piece of video. This is just, this is like a couple minutes long of this craft just hovering there. Yeah, a minute and a half. So we're almost done here. You can see the blue bar. But really good footage. Very good footage. Um, I, I think this is probably the best she's gotten, but I'll show you some others. I mean, she has a daylight footage of a craft. So... And yeah, I'm really glad she got some perspective there. Even Does she stay on it until it leaves? Does it disappear? No, she doesn't stay on it until it leaves. No. Uh, which is unfortunate, but hey, what are you going to do? Um, let me see, how do I get out of here? Okay, let me show you. Yeah, here is a close-up of that craft, which is a little bit blurry, mm -hmm. but it's still cool. <laughs> Um, but she's got some other stuff here that I want to show you. Those, there's her implant, but let me see. 
one of these is a really good video. I just have to find it. That's a JPEG. I'm taking a second here. That's, let me see, is that a JPEG? Yeah. Oh, let's see. Here we go. Let me see. This is also okay. Here's here's some of the films she's gotten. This is also a minute long, and he's fl flashing his lights. There are other people here. This is during a CE five event. Mm -hmm. And this is not a drone because you can see he's turning upside down and drones can't do that. And uh, he was out here. She said, she just said, I don't know if you can hear the sound. Yeah, I hear it. I can hear it. <laughs> That's pretty cool. It's, just, it's the classic pulsating orb video. Yep. Interesting. I'm telling you, and she she wasn't able to get any footage for the longest time. And um, now she's coming out with it to let her get the footage yep. and the pictures. Here, let me play this one. I think this might be... So I think this is just more proof, too, of like what we've been talking about over the last few months, too, is that the extraterrestrials are going to reveal themselves to us slowly, to the general public, rather than waiting for our governments to ever admit that this is a real thing. Yeah, I don't think our governments will. Not voluntarily. <laughs> At yeah, some point, they're going to have to. Into it. Yeah, by the yeah. extraterrestrials basically showing up all the time. Um, so, see, look at that turning yeah. upside down again. And see the way it wavers a little bit? Mm -hmm. That's because it's following the magnetic lines of our planet. Oh. All right, well, let me see. Okay, hold on a second. Let me... Let me get the daylight footage, which I have somewhere on here. Oh, here it is. This is what I wanted to show you. Look at this. Hmm. This was the first she sent me. Looks like it's almost the same craft, too, but in the day. Yep. <laughs> wow. And she did a really good job filming this because you got the perspective of the eaves. It goes behind the trees. It's short, but so there you I mean there you go. These are some of the photos she's gotten. There's more. And she's got quite a few of them. But wow. I you know, people always say, How come there's no photos? What well, there you go. There are photos. So when she's been doing the CE5s, has she encountered any of the um, like, like light beings or anything like that? Uh, not during the CE5s. 
uh, now, uh, just these sightings. But I think that will happen at some point. I think it's, there's going to be a CE5 where they land, where people are taken on board. I asked her, I'm like, Dolly, why don't you just take a camera on board? I'm like, they won't let me. I'm like, well, how come, how, how about bringing a gray down in your bedroom and having him pose? She says, they're not ready for that. Hmm. We're not ready for that. I'm like, mm, well, I'm ready. Um, I, we're, I think we're going to see that at some point. I don't know if it's going to be through Dolly or some other contactee, but we saw that with the very controversial case of Stan Romanek, mm-hmm. uh, who I actually think is probably telling the truth. <laughs> I know it's controversial, but I spoke with him for over an hour. I spoke with his wife. His whole family supports him, all his friends. Uh, he denies the charges that you know the government put up against him. Uh, I th- his case was attacked viciously, uh, but it's very hard to explain away. There's a lot, a lot of witnesses to his case and some of the photographic evidence. I showed Dolly the footage that he took and the photographs. Mm-hmm. There's one where there's a gray who apparently took a selfie <laughs> on Stan Romanek's camera. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you've seen it, but it shows a gray, right? <laughs> and his camera was missing and then shows up and he develops the film and there's a gray. So I showed Dolly this picture without saying a word. I'm like, what do you think of this picture? She's like, that's real. Who took that? I'm like, that's Stan Romanek's case. She says, that's exactly what they look like. Hmm. I'm like, okay, I just wondered, you know, because I will often put footage towards her way. And she's like, no, CGI, CGI, CGI. <laughs> I Every now and then she's like, yeah, this is real. This one's real. Um, this is, of course, her opinion. Uh-huh. And, uh, but... It's very interesting because uh, her case does have a lot of you know, physical evidence to support it and witnesses. And uh, Do you think that Dolly's the only one? Or do you think there's other people out there having the same experience as her? Definitely others, an army of them. And I think a lot of people are pretty much having the same exact experiences, but it's shrouded uh, um, in amnesia. Mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it, subconscious. But absolutely, some are fully conscious. She was taught with a large group of kids, and she talked to some of them. She knows there's like one lady who lives in Canada, and uh, they're all over the world. She knows you know, one who's of African-American ancestry, <laughs> um, different you know ancestries, one who lived very near her in Florida, um, and uh, they have not gone public. And these are people who don't even tell their spouse often, uh, tell nobody, uh, because the problem is they are also under surveillance. And uh, going public can interfere with their mission. Surveillance by the extraterrestrials or surveillance by the governments? Government. This is not unusual for contactees. Another lady I interviewed, who I'll call Wendy, is also a conscious contactee, not quite to the extent uh, Dolly is, but it's absolutely under surveillance and went under hypnosis, you know, did a bunch of regressions, and ha- all her tapes were stolen. Someone broke into her house, and they didn't take the stereo <laughs> or the TV or any money. They took her hypnosis tapes. And uh, I interviewed another guy, same sort of thing. 
he wrote down all of his encounters. And this is advice I would give to anyone who's having encounters, write them down, do a diary. If you're having, you know, amnesia problems, this will help immensely. And absolutely do this before you go under hypnosis. So you will know that these are fully conscious memories and those are hypnotic ones because it, you know, over time, memory is not perfect. And in fact, I've interviewed people. This happened in the just latest YouTube video I did. Wait, I'm jumping around here quite a bit. Let me just go back to this other guy. Um, I told him to write down his experiences. Mm -hmm. And someone broke in and stole his diary, his, you know, of all of his, his, his notes, of all of his experiences. But I did interview this one lady um, who was having encounters. This is my latest YouTube video. And uh, she had, you know, a visitation. It freaked her out. She had a second one. She's like, that's it. I'm going to sleep over at my boyfriend's house. From now on, I can't take this. And uh, looked across the street one evening into her bedroom, and there were these little lights. And her room was lighting up. She's like, oh, my gosh, they're there. They're there. And so I interviewed her about this. And uh, I had a few more questions. So I called her back like two weeks later. I'm like, you know that incident you, where you were sleeping over at your boyfriend's house and your room lit up? And she said, no. What are you talking about? I said, you know, I just called you like two weeks ago. You were over at your boyfriend's house. The room lit up. There were little lights. She says, I never told you that. I'm like, yes, you did. She says, I have no memory. I didn't, did we talk? I'm like, yes, I interviewed you. Do you not remember? She says, no, I don't. She completely freaked out. Like, I have you on tape. Freaked me out. <laughs> um, and I know, I remember John Keel talked about this. He had interviewed a bunch of people in Point Pleasant during the Mothman wave, right? Mm -hmm. Went back there, and people did not even remember him. He, he went up to the same people. They're like, we didn't talk to you. Who are you? So, so this is the amnesia aspect. You know, one of the things I've been, I, I mean, I've never asked you about this. I've been watching a, a show about this alleged um, secret space program, the MyLabs program, where they do this thing called the 20 and back, where mm -hmm. people will sign up for it, do 20 years of um, service in outer space, and then after the 20 years, the age regressed them back to the original age that they started and dropped them off at the same time that the they left, so nobody ever really notices that person missing. All right. Do you think that's a possibility? That do you think humans are capable of that? Um, I personally am putting those accounts on the back burner for now. <laughs> um, I haven't gotten a case like that. It's a tough one I, for me to wrap um, my mind around. But yeah, at, at the same time, when we're talking, you know, we're talking about the time, we're talking about the memory. You know. Yeah. I mean, they can't. I know ETs can pull a person out of the time stream. Like the um, only Dolly, thing, the only thing that's missing is the age regression. Yeah, I don't know how you can take someone's skull and shrink it back down to the, you know what I mean, and bones, and, and all of that. That just seems beyond belief to me. Yeah. And I'm not going to say it's not true because I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, it's uh, like it's like there's two parts of it that make sense to me, and then the third part doesn't. Yeah, 
Um, I do know that there is mind control experiments going on oh, within yeah. our government. Absolutely, yeah. Um, <laughs> I have uh, some actual tapes from some of those. And it's horrifying and horrific and scary because they can make people believe just about anything. I mean, they can mess you up. And we know for a fact that there is a cover-up and disinformation in this field. So I am concerned that this might be related to that. Uh, I can't really speak with any authority to these cases because I'm just following the research on this. And it started out with one or two cases, and I think it's mounting to more than just a few. But I do know there was one guy who I didn't interview personally, but sort of third hand, who was apparently an employee at Area 51 mm -hmm. and wanted to get out. And they said, okay, you can get out, but you're, we're going to mind wipe you. And they did. Uh, they didn't age regress him or anything like that. Right. Uh, but he had a car accident. You know, he had no idea. I uh, thought he was just a guy, you know, and had a car accident involving a head injury and all these memories started coming back to him. And he did research on it and started to answer a lot of these questions that had been bug bugging him about the, you know, things that had gone on in his past, which... You know, he's having lots of trouble reconciling and figuring out, and, uh, you know, there are gaps and stuff. And so I think they do have that ability. Uh, and I know ET's Dolly talks about how they'll take her. She had one experience where she, they pulled her out, and, you know, often she'll be there on board when people are being uh, taken on board for a physical exam and a counseling session and a little trip, you know what they call gathering the children, which is basically a checkup and a, you know, what, what they do. And, uh, this guy that they were coming, they had landed and this guy is driving by on the road and stops the car. Cause he sees this landed UFO and he jumps out of his car and runs up to it and gets severely burned. And, uh, don't run up to a landed UFO, by the way. <laughs> Keep your distance. They're very, very hot. And that's what happened to this guy. And so they took him on board and took him like two or three days to cure him of his burns. And she was there the whole time, the full two or three days. And they put the man back and completely wiped his memory clean because there was a lot of trauma and this was not supposed to happen. And he never knew what happened to him, apparently. And then they put Dolly back, and it was just five minutes from where she had been taken. She's like, Preston, you know, I'm probably a few years older than my actual biological age. She spends, you know, days. There's been times she spent a couple of weeks on the Gray's planet. You know, when she was doing flight training, they would take her there and spend all day long going over how to work with gravitational fields because um, it's much easier to travel interstellar than over a planet, which has got these huge fluctuating right. gravitational and magnetic current sheets. And uh, you have to be really, really careful. And they taught her how to fly singly, and then, you know, with a couple of people, and then with a big group of people. There are hundreds of people who are being taught this. Thousands. Probably a lot more. 
Uh, because according to Dali, a day is coming when we could have an existential crisis. Our son is burping and um, having CMEs, coronal mass ejections. Yeah, she's been sending me actually videos of that. Yeah, she's been trying to, you know, she's, she's trying to uh, show me the science of this as well because it's, I'm like, oh, this is a lot to swallow. You know, yeah, for me, it goes over my head a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm not smart enough to understand it all yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing my best too. Uh, but yeah, a lot of what she says has the science to back it up. She's absolutely insistent that our son is in danger of micronovae, going micronova. And that we're going to remember the Carrington event of, I think it was 1856 or something. That is when we did have a huge CME, coronal mass ejection, and it knocked out the telegraph system across the planet. Uh, we were just beginning to delve into electronics and this sort of thing. And, uh, it knocked it out. And she says, that's going to happen. Well, I hope not. That would mess up my uh, podcast ratings. Yes. And no more cell phones. She says it's going to be absolutely earth-shaking. So I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but she insists it is. <laughs> and uh, I hesitate to doubt her. I've made that mistake before of doubting contactees. Um, yeah, Wendy, I'll, I'll call her. I was doubting her case, and the UFOs swooped down and said, she's telling the truth. You better believe her. Watch this. And did a whole show for me. Talked to me. That blew my mind. I could not believe it. What did I still... They, what did they say to you? Um, yeah, I was transcribing Wendy's interview. She had described how E.T. surrounded her bed. Mm -hmm. She jumped up and kicked one in the neck and snapped its neck. She says, I think I killed it. And it stopped the abduction, which I will call an abduction because she was in full-on fear mode at that time. She came around. They healed her. You know, they taught her all kinds of spiritual stuff. Uh, she can do healings. Oh, my gosh. She's amazing. She's like contactees. They're really incredible people. So I'm transcribing this interview. I'm like, snapped in its neck, huh? <laughs> hmm. And I thought about, there was that, you know, Travis Walton socked one in the head. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking of a few other cases. Like, I knew I, of I another. Terry tried to shoot one. <laughs> yeah. Apparently the guy at Stardust Ranch says he did. Uh, so, yeah, there are cases like this. But mm -hmm. back then there weren't a lot. And I'm thinking, hmm, I'm not sure. Gosh, I know she's telling the truth. I think she believes it, which I always hate it when people say that. Like, I believe you believe. That's kind of insulting. It is insulting. Uh, so I was just kind of, I knew she was telling the truth because, I mean, I interview her face to face. I've seen her do psychic stuff. She's amazing. But I hadn't seen any UFOs uh, with her at that point. I'd seen UFOs myself a number of times, 10 times by that point. Uh, but pretty much always lights. Uh, but so I'm transcribing the interview. I'm thinking, hmm, 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 hmm. How do I wrap my head around this? And I'm not going to say I disbelieved it, but it's a lot, you know? And that's when I got this impulse to run under the roof of my condo and grab my glasses. I'm slightly nearsighted. And before I even found myself up there, I was up there, you know? I'm, or I'm like, what am I doing? How did this happen? 
you're not allowed to go up here. What am I doing? And you know, so that took about 10 seconds of thought, 20. And next thing I know, this UFO appears and it's right across the street. <laughs> uh, there was, let's see, a tiny little parking lot with two sp space lengths and the LA River and then the little street and the apartment building. So a couple of hundred feet. And it was right above the apartment building. And it was this huge, glowing, orange, fiery oval. And I'm estimating its size is 10 to 20 feet across because it was pretty big. And it was right above the palm trees. Uh, so it's got, I don't know how tall is a palm tree, not, not more than 100 feet, right? They don't get that high. Hell no. I'm, I'm in Jersey, so, so I've never been around too many palm trees. <laughs> <laughs> They're not that tall. They're not like a eucalyptus tree, which is really tall, 200 feet. Uh, so treetop level mm -hmm. in, in, any, in any respect. Uh, and it blasts me with this message. And it wasn't, you know, don't be afraid, we won't hurt you, words. It was unknowing. And it was very clear. And it was, it was, hi, <laughs> that's the first thing I it says, it says, hi, we're Wendy's ETs. You don't believe, watch this. That was the gist of it. And I could probably paraphrase it to say, hello, it's us. <laughs> you know, watch this, you know, watch what we can do. You'll believe after this. I mean, you could interpret this a number of different ways, but that was the gist of the message. It's us. <laughs> watch. And uh, this thing went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and started going really fast. And there is nothing on earth that can do this. I mean, this was not a helicopter or a plane or ball lightning or a satellite or a balloon or anything. Um, and it was very, very convincing. <laughs> and, you know, there's a little ball behind me. I felt staggered back. I mean, I literally staggered back against the wall and just, oh my God. <laughs> and uh, it disappeared. And uh, maybe they took me on board. I never really thought about it because someone asked me that. Um, I don't really remember looking at the time. I don't think so. Because what I did is rush down and I'm like, it was, it was late. It was 11 p.m. to midnight. I'm like, I'm going to have to call Wendy. And I didn't call her that. I called her the next day. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they came. She's like, I told you. I'm like, you're not going to believe what they said. <laughs> and I said, you're telling the truth. And she says, well, of course I am. <laughs> what, you don't believe me? I'm like, no, it's not that. I know. Yeah, I believe you. I absolutely believe you. <laughs> and then I asked her, I'm like, do you think you could call them down? You know, I'd love to see them. And she's like, you just saw them. I'm like, yeah, but I wasn't ready. I didn't have a camera. Um, I, I wasn't ready. And uh, she's like, yeah, I'm in telepathic contact. Sure, I'll ask him. I mean, I can't hurt to ask. I miss her. She's in Australia now. Uh, mm. We're still in touch. I did an interview on my YouTube channel with her not too long ago. But at any rate, she's like, all right. She calls me back later. She says, they said to come park here off the LA or off the you know, Pasadena, off the 210 freeway at this time on this day. This is like 1994. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. And we did. Me, Wendy, my sister-in-law, Christine Kisara, and my nephew, her son, James. He's like 14 years old at the time. 
we all four drive up and went and when he's like okay park here i'm like this is a freeway we're not allowed to park on the freeway she's like just do it uh i'm like all right hope we don't get in trouble um there was a little dirt road this is a pretty rural area um there was no houses around there's this little mountain not really a mountain a hill um sort of a cross between the two and it was quite a hike up this fire break this path and it took us 20 minutes of some real huffing and puffing and trudging up this hill. And Christy and James fell behind. And we reached the top. And Christy and James weren't in view. They were probably, you know, 200 yards behind us, 300 yards. And we're a little bit out of breath. And, and Wendy's like, this is where they said to go. I'm like, oh. And, and we're just looking around and she screams. Her eyes go wide, and I'm looking at her, and she's like, ah! She grabs my shoulders and spins me around, and there it is. And this time, it's right next to us. Like, if you were standing in your front yard, and there's your house. I mean, 50 feet away, tops. And about 20 feet off the ground. And it was as big as a house, and it's a perfect sphere, and it's covered with golden lights. Tiny, little, scintillating, really gold lights really beautiful i mean strikingly beautiful you know breathtaking totally silent and we're both screaming and just go oh my god <sighs> look at you and i could not peel my eyes away from it and camera was forgotten i still kick myself to this day shoot i had a camera around my neck mm, it pisses me off I think about it, but but yeah, I'm, we stared at it for a good ten seconds, maybe twenty, which is a long, long time when you're seeing something like this. And I didn't run forward because it was really no need to. It was right there, and I can't say it was solid metal, right? Because the lights were so bright, mm -hmm. it may have been, but there were so many lights on this thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking well over a hundred lights. And, and this uh, is like close encounters of the third kind type of stuff. Mm, it was there. Wow. It could it could not have gotten closer. If it had gotten closer, we would have touched it. And it started to move away from us very slowly, like five, three miles an hour, then five, then ten. And it's moving off across this sort of field next to the top of the mountain where where we were. It wasn't the complete top. It was just partially up, all up there. Cause this was, you know, it's a very mountainous area. Mountains all around us. And uh, then it zips away. <laughs> it goes vroom real fast in this arcing pattern around behind this mountain, which had to be two, three miles away in a second. So I don't know how fast that is. Uh, one second per mile, <laughs> you know, hundreds, maybe a thousand miles an hour. I don't know. It was so fast it left a tracer of golden light. And uh, then I saw this tiny little thing, and it goes behind the mountain. And we're just looking at each other going, ah, 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 and then up walk Christy and James, and they're looking at us like, what's wrong? <laughs> and we're like, oh, no, oh, no, you, you missed it. Christy was so disappointed. That's incredible. Uh, that is um, absolutely incredible. You are so lucky to yeah. see something like that. 
The ETs are real. They know about us. They know, they know about you. They know about me. They know about everyone. They are watching everything closely. Um, Dolly was looking for someone to tell her story. You know, when she decided to go public and her ET contact said, Oh, you'll find someone. And she couldn't. She's like, I don't like this one. I don't like this guy. You know, this guy's crazy. I don't know this. This No, I don't like any of these researchers. And I said, well, check this guy out, which turned out to be me. And she's like, oh, you know, she saw my video on UFO healings that I had done years ago. And she's like, this guy seems like he's legit. He's just telling people stories. And uh, I remember being a very early researcher and hearing crazy stuff. One guy I remember says, I'm watching this UFO. It turned transparent. I'm like, how am I going to tell people this? Because you know, this is not something I've heard before. And I'm like, well, I can't. I, I'm just going to have to tell people. I, and I made a decision then and there. Like, I'm going to lay it all out. What people say is what people say. Because I started to realize people were editing. Investigators were editing people's stories. And I know this for a fact. That's not right. I, I, I talked to some people who talked to very prominent investigators. And boy, were they disappointed when their story was presented because the spiritual aspect of it was completely edited out yeah. and it was made to look like a scary experience. That's one of the things that I, you know, I didn't realize existed until I started doing this, how, you know, certain people in this field, um, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if they're, you know, disinformation. Disinfor disinformance there's you know there's people out there doing what you and i are doing now but they're putting out disinformation to discredit the real stuff yeah i'll name a few phil class and donald menzel disinformants they knew it was real and they were lying pretty sure about that and i know there are some because i watch it happen i'm like what the heck you're changing your story mm -hmm. these are some pro prominent investigators and I think there are some who are absolutely legit and wonderful people, but everyone has a tendency to sort of, like all of us, interpret things through the lens of our belief system. Oh, yeah. We can't help and that, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's very hard to be objective. It's not easy. No. Uh, and people like, well, you know, there's some books like out like they're, they're time travelers. And these people will list all the cases where it points towards that, but they're not listing the ones that don't. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so you can pull out any series of stories and say, look, they're evil abductors and they're, you know, doing all these horrible things. But you're not talking about the healing cases, are you? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, like, I mean, I believe so, that some probably, are, I mean, like I said, I, I believe that all these phenomena, like, every possibility is probably happening out there that I can think of, you know. But I, I do think that the majority of the stuff like that, that you and I are talking about are ETs with good intentions that, that are trying to, you know, raise humanity's vibration, trying to get us to avoid any type of catastrophe. Um, you know, it is possible that some are time travelers that are humans from the future also trying to do the same thing. Um, as far as the negativity stuff, like the people that are having negative experiences, I'm guessing it's just our own military doing that shit. Our own government's trying to 
doing that as part of a disinformation campaign to, to get people away from trying to make content. I absolutely agree. My labs are real. Military abductions. I don't think it explains most of the cases. You'd have to have a million man army, million person army. Don't, I'm not being sexist here. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you know, the army is sexist, let's face it. Uh, yeah. At least until recently. Uh, but there's just no way all these cases can be explained as my labs. There's just no way. That's far too many people. Now, in but my some, la in my labs has no benefit to the the healing stories and the spiritual stuff. You know that that kind of works almost like against any government's objective, which is to create fear and control people. Yeah, that's something we really need to work hard on is overcoming fear, because uh, that's something that's golly. That's one of the ET messages for sure. You talked about the messages. That is one of the, their main message to humanity, you know, through Dolly at least. And I can tell you through other contactees is, you know, we're destroying our planet. <laughs> what are you doing? Don't use nuclear power. You are abusing it and creating huge problems in areas you don't even know about. Every time you explode a nuclear bomb, it's creating reverb. You know, re reverberations into other dimensions. This is what they've told her. This is what they've told other contactees. Uh, pollution, greed, corruption, the unequal distribution of wealth, racism, all of this has to stop. And they say the way to do this is to uplift your psychic development. And this is why they're very much intent on doing this. And this is why people who have contact do experience telepathy, start having out-of-body experiences, past life recall, precognition, all of it, levitation even. Dolly's had levitation experiences, <laughs> which she didn't tell me about until I started talking about it. Because, uh, you know, Whitley Strieber had it, Stephen Greer, mm -hmm. and I'd interviewed other people. And I'm, and I'm like, hey, you know, Dolly, I'm writing this article about... Uh, abductees, contactees who've levitated. I don't suppose you've experienced that. She's like, well, yeah, actually I did. I'm like, oh, you didn't tell me that. Like, you never asked. This was part of the frustration I had with interviewing Dolly, especially initially. She was very reluctant to say some of this stuff <laughs> because she was afraid I wouldn't believe her. Or it's a lot for anyone to take right. going to other planets and we haven't even gotten into some of the stuff she's seen. And she goes on mother ships and sees these large arboretums. Um, large, I won't call them zoos. I would call them animal preserves. And I'm like, okay, Dolly, what did you see in these animal preserves? And she's like, well, you name it. Every animal on Earth and others that aren't from Earth. I'm like, well, tell me about the ones that aren't from Earth. And she's like, well, I'm not really supposed to tell you about most of this. I can tell you it's some. Um, she talked about bulls, Gower bulls. Um, she says, life is universal. There are fish on other planets, birds, chickens, um, cats, dogs, all of it with slight variations. She says, Earth is the heaviest planet she's been on, <laughs> the heaviest gravity. And she says, these animals on other planets are much larger. 
And she says, there's bulls. You know, we you know how big bulls are. They can mm. get huge. Yeah. She says, some of these are like dinosaur size, more than twice the size we've got, more than twice. Mm. And she's like, dinosaur. You know, she said, dinosaurs. I'm like, dinosaurs? Have you seen any dinosaurs? <laughs> she says, well, my only, yes, I have. And she, so this is the sort of problem I would have. I'm like, oh, you, well, you didn't tell me this. She's like, well, it's hard to talk about this. You know, I, it's really hard for me to talk about because I've trained my whole life to be very tight-lipped. Uh, so getting her to tell some of these stories was like pulling teeth. That's uh, incredible. But I finally did get her to open up on a lot of this. She's like, giraffes, you know, didn't evolve on Earth. I'm like, what? <laughs> Like, no, they were planted here. All life was planted here. She says it didn't evolve like people think. I know Um, like about um, octopus or octopi, whatever you want to call them, you know, probably are not from planet Earth. But I mean, probably nothing really on this planet is really from here. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. If you look up octopus, the scientists are like, wow, these are so vastly different from all life on Earth, we, we can't explain it. And like the Venus flytrap, you know, that little plant yeah. grows yeah, in one them. area. It, it comes from one area on our planet. I think it's like North Carolina or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are animals and plants that come from one area only. How do you explain that? Uh, There's no idea. And according to Dolly, uh, the genetic diversity we see on Earth is because life is like that throughout the universe. Evolution is real in its, you know, the fact that all creatures evolve. But no, life did not evolve on Earth like people think it did from a lemur. You know, that, according to evolutionary theory, the dinosaurs died, the surviving mammal was the small lemur like creature, and this lemur turned into buffalo and giraffe. And all of it, <laughs> elephants. And I remember being, you know, twelve years old, and we're teaching evolution in school. And I'm all about science. I was very science based, and uh, and I charted it out because they're like, well, this is, you know, you have 50 million years, 60 million years is when this like this lemur turned into all of this. And so I'm like, okay, let's break this down into millions, into hundreds of thousands of years. <laughs> I just couldn't believe that you could get that kind of diversity that quickly. Uh, it just didn't make sense to me. And now I, I think it's probably, you know, there are human looking ETs too. That always threw me for a loop. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, okay, well, evolution is not what we think it is. And according to Dolly, and you know, this is not just Dolly saying this long before I met Dolly, I put together a, a chapter in one of my books and a video called Alien Zoos <laughs> where people have seen, you know, alien animals and all kinds of earth animals. It's not uncommon. Carl uh, Higdon, a very famous case from Rollins, Wyoming, a hunter <laughs> was out hunting elk, pulled on board a tiny little craft on the inside. He said it was huge, much smaller than it appeared on the outside. That's another thing Dolly uh, con- says happens to her and, uh, and he said uh, all these elk were in glass cages <laughs> um, Carl Higdon said this hmm. and they took him to another planet it's a long involved case 
he was healed of tubercular scars and kidney stones. And he did not remember, except under hypnosis. Other people saw the UFOs. They found his truck out in the middle of a field. There were no tire tracks. It's a great case, really well confirmed. And it was initially traumatic, but yeah, he was healed. He saw the alien, you know, well, not alien animals, but he did, was taken to another planet. Uh, all these things that Dolly is describing are out there in other people's cases. One thing that I, I was telling her, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm doing a video on, based on one of my chapters about people who've been shrunk down or enlarged. Because this guy emailed me. He's like, have you ever heard of this? You know, I came back from my abduction case and I was two inches taller. And this kept happening. I'd be like two inches shorter. They're changing my height. I'm like, yes, I don't, I know of cases like this. There's, you know, this happened to the Twiggs family. Uh, and uh, they would actually be sometimes really small when they're on the craft. And the ETs would be bigger than that. And, and uh, Betty Andreessen, God bless her, talks about a case where she was outside, there's a, it grazed, there's a landed UFO, and there's another man standing next to her, and they shine this beam of light on him, and it shrinks him down to a tiny little thing, <laughs> like a foot tall, two feet tall, and brings him into this tiny UFO, and it takes off, and Dolly's freaking out, or not Dolly, uh, Betty, is freaking out, she's like, what did you do? You shrunk that man down, how could you do that? What's going on here? And they told her, oh, that we call that deopulating. We have this ability. And she's like, oh, deopulating, okay. <laughs> and so I, I'm telling Dolly, I'm putting together this video. I don't suppose you've had anything like that happen. And she's like, yeah, actually, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go again. How, how come you didn't tell me this? And she says, Preston, there's a lot. This is my whole life. There's a lot to tell you. Uh, and thank God, you know, she told me before we put the book together. I'm still finding out stuff that I didn't get to put in the book. Will there but be I think a part, I, was it going to be a part two of this book? There might be, uh, because I think we got a pretty good handle on, you know, I, I really asked him, like, please tell me if there's anything else <laughs> that needs to go in here. And she's like, well, I, I can't really think of anything right now. Of course there was. Uh, I'll get into that in a sec, but, uh, I'm like, have you ever seen anyone shr shrunk down? She's like, yeah, that did happen. <laughs> and it was the craziest thing. They pulled this man on board and uh, pulled him into a room. And uh, she, she, you know, when she's not flying, she will often, you know, sit down with people and counsel them and show them around and uh, do the whole tour. And this man was different from the others. He seemed to have a purpose, right? So, and he's being led to this room, and she's curious because that's her nature, and uh, she follows. And they they're like, stand back, stand back. You can't go into this room. You can stand and watch, but don't go inside. So there's a view screen, right? They lay him out and sit, put this beam of light on him, and they start shrinking him. <laughs> Takes a while, and this is a six foot tall man, and they shrink him down to about two feet tall, a little less. And he gets up and they cart him away. And she's like, what the heck? Why did you do that? What's going on here? And they said, oh, well, 
there, what is that they say? They said, uh, there is a macro universe and a micro universe. And uh, not everyone is the same size. You know, you're your size, and some people come from a universe where it's much smaller. There are different dimensions. You know, it's not just up, down, and sideways or through time. You can go inwards and outwards. It's another dimension. Hmm. And she's like, well, what, what, why'd you do that? And they wouldn't answer. They said, it's not, you know, it's not your concern. You don't need to know this. She's like, would you do it to me? <laughs> um, I want to try it. And they're like, no, no, you don't need to do this. Uh, but they made it clear to her several times that they have this ability and that there is a vast universes that are much, you know, going within and without. So there are universes inside of us and we ourselves are sure. part of much larger macro universes. And that makes sense to me. That makes a lot of sense to me, actually. Yeah. And she she wanted to call the book Symmetry for a reason. Because life follows a template. Um, the universe follows a template. You can see the same mechanics in an atom with protons and neutrons and electrons that you see in the solar system, that you see in a, a cell. You know, the fractals of a star system or a you know crop circle or a leaf or a tree or the blood vessels or a brain or all life um is very similar there's a balance to all of this so she's like please can we call the book symmetry mm -hmm. i wanted to call it dolly among the stars <laughs> uh, but i ended up using that for a chapter instead which is totally cool you know uh, it's, it's a whole other topic that's like would be like an endless amount of episodes is and i think about it a lot it's like the sort of like the sacred geometry of the universe and how it seems to be related to harmonics and sound and um what is it somatic some some you know, like when you put the sand in the thing and you play a frequency and it changes into all these different complex mandalas it's, it's just, you know, to me, that just proves that everything is just vibration and frequency. Yep, yep. There was another contactee I interviewed. That's how they pulled her on board. She said she heard this weird sound, this harmonic. She saw these sacred geometry, like figures coming at her. It was a beam. And they pulled her physical body first, and then her astral body followed. <laughs> yeah. Very strange. That, well, it's like, um, even like as far back as the Betty and Barney Hill case, the first thing that they did was they, they heard a weird sound. And then they yeah. were all of a sudden they were in the craft. That's right. Yep. yep. It's very interesting. This is all very, very real. That, and it just pains me when people say, ah, oh, you know, this is sleep paralysis, you know. <laughs> this is highway hypnosis. <laughs> yeah. like, no, it's not. You know, sleep paralysis doesn't leave you pregnant. It doesn't make a missing pregnancy. It doesn't leave a scoop mark or an implant. It doesn't photograph. It can't take you on board. Mm-mm. You know, there's many, many times Dolly was missing from her house as a little kid. Drove her mom and dad a couple of times out of their minds. They called the police once. They found her six miles from her house. She was just a tiny little thing. Was, that is not sleep paralysis. I'm sorry. They ended up putting, this is a lot of contactees do this. They put double locks on their doors and get 
guard dogs and fences and for, you know, motion detectors. Whitley Streamer talked a lot about that. Uh, this is absolutely not psychological. There is an interdimensional aspect to it, but it's, and people are being physically taken on board. Physically. Incredible. Wow. So this has been a fascinating discussion we just had, man. I'm sure this is going to leave people with all sorts of questions. <laughs> yeah, well, I try to answer a lot of them in this book, uh, which I think is going to, you know, definitely, uh, I don't even know how to put it. It's going to, it's going to shake people up a little bit. It's different than your normal average story. Hmm. It, it so, connects the dots quite a bit than from other accounts. Awesome. So, so where's the best place before we wrap it up for my listeners to find your book and find you? Uh, you can get the book on Amazon, other online retailers. Uh, you can also, yeah, you can read excerpts on my website, PrestonDennett.Weebly.com. Uh, I have a YouTube channel where I'm putting out my research. I'm going to start covering, you know, some of the stuff in this book and there. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Gary. This it's always so much fun with you. Always, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I can't wait to see where this subject goes because it feels like it's, you know, we're finally making some progress. It, it, it's, it's even changed since you and I have started talking. Like, what has it been? Like maybe a year and a half now that you and I have known each other and and it, it's even like for that little bit of time, it's really grown and changed. Yes, our navy, our government, we're finally admitting they were using the word extraterrestrial. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's so encouraging. I still don't trust him, and I, I don't, don't trust him either. Ever just... well. I'm so sorry, but they're still lying. They're still a cover up. Yeah, they still won't. When they can say, "Here's the Roswell craft," you know, when they will admit that the Phoenix lights happened. When they sit, we'll talk about the Hudson Valley wave and Gulf Breeze and, and all this stuff. Yeah, then when, will, when they come out with the craft or reveal one of the bases or something like that, that, that would be yeah. awesome. Well, Show they, us the landing that took place at Edwards Air Force Base, well, but, Gordon Cooper. But Show us that. I don't think they'll do it. You know, I think that's why you know, it's important for investigators like you to be doing what you're doing and getting these stories out, doing your own research. And and letting people tell their own stories and do their own research as well. So it just keeps growing and growing. Yeah. Everyone plays a role here. Every contactee, every podcaster, every experiencer, every researcher, all the families of people who are, you know, because when one person has an experience like this, it affects everyone around them. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see. This very, very eager to see where this goes. The cover-up is a disaster. It's over. It's done. Bye-bye. No more debunkers. We don't need you anymore. We're at a cusp. We're yeah. very close to open official contact and disclosure. I think it's going to happen. I think so, too. Five, ten years. I think tops. we might actually get to see it in our lifetime. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Awesome. So I'll put those links in the notes of this episode so my listeners can go to your website and go get your book on Amazon to help make it number one in your category. <laughs> and it's been a pleasure. And uh, we'll do it again next month, man. 
Awesome. Thanks. Very cool. Thanks for hanging out for one second. I was going to play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon, and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. Love what you listen to today. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable.